All right. Now, what I want to do is continue. Let's back up to verse 1. 2 Timothy 4.1. Uh, I'm giving this because this is what you have to do as a pastor. My job is to teach the church what you have to do as a pastor. When a pastor uh, is going to pass the baton. Now, once again, I'm not going anywhere. So I already told you that. Those thoughts won't come into my mind until after I'm 75. After. All right. That's my next few years, what I'll be working on. Right now, you know, I'll be 73 in April. So uh, I, ha I can't wait till the last minute to start ministering some things. I have to already have it in, in the storehouse. All right. You know, we did teach the book of Timothy. First and second Timothy is in the storehouse. All right. But I want to just put this in my series. 2 Timothy chapter 4, the first five verses. It says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itched ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned to fables. But watch thou in all things, and do afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So I'm going to do, uh, we're we doing parts in this series. There's only one series, as vi one volume, that's volume one. And today we are doing verse number, uh, part 14 already. Oh my God. How time flies. All right. Now, the Bible says, uh, and they shall turn their ears from the truth. Now, the word, the truth is not just a common word. Remember, Jesus said he came to bear witness of the truth. We know that the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. So we're not talking about the word true. Those are two different words. We're talking about the word truth. And we know the truth is the gospel of Christ. All right. Now, we showed you that. But also, let's look back in chapter 3 and verse number 7. Uh, you'll see this word truth again. It says, they are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, there are people ever learning, but they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Remember, Jesus said back in John 8.30 to those disciples who believed in him, they were Jews. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So it's not everything you can minister that make you free. Only your knowledge of the truth that make you free. Now, Paul gave us a good illustration. Let's do this first in Galatia chapter 3. In the book of Galatia chapter 3, the apostle Paul gave us a good illustration of what the truth is. See, if you don't preach Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, you're not preaching the truth. See, the truth is why the Bible was written. The truth is what the Bible is about from Genesis Revelation. See, that's what you mean by truth. All right. So it says here in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 1. He rebuked the Galatia church, the church at Galatia. He says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth. The truth. 
Before whose eye, then he's going to tell you, that's what King James does. King James gives you a little hint. Before whose eye Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Let's go back in chapter 2, and we'll look at verse 5 and verse 14. Galatia 2, 5. It says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for the hour. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. The truth of the gospel. Look down at verse number 14. Galatians 2, 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly or according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, if you being a Jew, live after the, uh, live after the man of Gentiles and not do the Jews, then why compel thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? So he rebuked him because he wasn't following the truth of the gospel. See, in the truth of the gospel, it already laid out for you that you love one another. Amen. By this should all men know whether you're my disciple if you have love one to another. And so that's what the truth is. So in, in Galatians 4.16, one more we've done. Galatians 4.16. In Galatians 4.16, Paul said to the Galatians, he said, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? See, Paul was a minister of the truth. So he's talking about the word of truth. Look, look, look at Ephesians. Uh, you'll see that Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 will tell you about the truth. This is what God reveals to you is the truth. This is what you have to know to be free. That's why I spend my time, much time daily, learning the truth. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. All right. Now, in Ephesians 1 and 13 says, in whom also you trusted. After that you heard the word of truth. See, you're not going to be able to trust God until you hear the word of truth. And then he said, the word of truth is a gospel of your salvation. In whom also after you believe the gospel, the word of truth, then the Bible said, and you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. God guaranteed the Holy Spirit will come in inside of you when you believe the truth. When you believe Christ died for your sins, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last one we're going to read, I read this at the beginning, and I will read it again at the ending. At 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1 told us what the truth is. Paul, God revealed to him the truth. Moreover, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and where you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you. Well, what did he preach? He preached the truth. He preached unto you. I delivered unto you. I delivered first to you. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose again according to the scripture. That's the truth. See, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is the truth. Uh, in the old covenant, when they came out of Egypt, uh, there was a woman who made the genealogy. Uh, of Israel. And what she did, she put a scarlet thread in her, down in, in, in her window. And when they saw the scarlet thread hang from her window, they knew 
that she would be free. That scarlet thread represented Christ's blood. That's why from Genesis to Revelation is the truth. You just have to be able to understand it to know it. But the truth, the definition for the word truth is the revealed word. And so that's why Paul preached the revealed word. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom is not the revealed word. The gospel of the kingdom is, how many can tell me one word? What is the gospel of the kingdom? Now the gospel of Christ, I'm giving you that, is the revealed word. Well, what, the, what did Christ preach? Mysteries. You need to put that down. He preached the mysteries of the gospel. So we go to we go look at Matthew 4. You want to study Matthew 4, Mark, uh, Matthew 13, I'm sorry. Matthew 13, Mark 4, and Luke 8. You'll see what Jesus preached. Jesus preached the mysteries of the kingdom. That's why you can't hear believe Jesus' ministry and be saved. Jesus only preached the mysteries of the kingdom. What did Paul preach? I show it to you. We're going to go to it in the book of Romans 15, 16. In the book of Romans. Let's see what the apostle Paul preached. See, you've got to know what he preached. Revelation 16, 15, I'm sorry. I could use 15, but I want to use 16. Romans, I'm sorry. Romans chapter number 16 and verse number 25. Paul preached the revelation of the mystery. Jesus preached the mystery. Paul preached the revelation of the mystery. So if you just hear uh, Jesus' ministry, Jesus only preaching you who Christ is. That's the mystery. When you finish, you're still going to have a mystery. But when you finish Paul writing, you have the revelation of the mystery. Romans 16, 25, now to him there's a power to establish you according to my gospel, Paul says. And the preaching of Jesus Christ, but it's according here to you, the revelation of the mystery. How many can see it? The revelation of the mystery. Now let's go to Mark 4, 11. I'm headed to my message. And the gospel of St. Mark, chapter 4, and verse 11. So if you read the word, you'll know what everyone preached. Mark chapter 4 and verse 11. And verse 10 says, Mark 4, 10. When he, had, when he was alone, they, they was about him, asked, the twelve asked him the parable. And he said that them unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. If you notice here, he used the word mystery. Other times he used the word mysteries. So the gospel of the kingdom is a mystery. And he said, unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Well, the mystery of the kingdom of God is Christ. Singular. So Paul preached the mystery, the revelation of the mystery. So what did Paul preach? The revelation of Christ. See, if Christ is the mystery, and Paul preached the revelation of the mystery, then Paul preached the revelation of Christ. How many can see it now? Right, so that's why you have to get this tape, right? All right, I'm going to pack it with information. I can see that's going to happen right now. But we're talking about the instructions of a father. Now, I used last week 
I used Paul, the Apostle Paul charged Timothy. Now, when a pastor give a charge, it means he's going off the scene. It's no different than a relay. I've taken it as full as I can. Now, that's why I believe. Now, this is my belief. I believe between now and 2024, our church anniversary, this church will be paid in full. Now, I'm telling you what I believe. Now, some of you might not believe that, but I believe that. Now, after that happens, I'm working on the new pastor. I'm not going nowhere, but you got to put things in place. And you got to make sure things are in order as a pastor. I'm, this is my life. I've given my life to this church, and some of you have too. Amen. I say things not to embarrass you, but everything that I have had in my life has gone into this church. My wife and I have done that over the years. Because if this church failed, I failed. My home failed. Everything I have failed. That's how much I trusted God for what he's doing here. So I understand uh, pastoring. I do believe God. One of my prayers is, who's the next person? That's one of my prayers, has been. I prayed for you this morning between 4 and 4.30. I pray for you. See, I pray for you every day. A lot of you, I call your names out if I can think of them. I don't know everybody, so I call out as many as I can. But I pray for you. Well, my number one prayer for you is that you are saved and that God has given you the Holy Spirit and your life will be a testimony in this earth. See, if you have the Holy Spirit, people can get saved being around you. Ain't that right? That's what you're supposed to do. People in your household. So Paul is ministering to Timothy. So I'm teaching on the instructions of a father. It's the father's words that empowers his son. So you have to be very careful what you say to your children. It's their words that empowers them. When Jesus came into ministry, the father stopped everything and said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before he even entered ministry, so you never say negative things to your children because you can empower them and you can unpower them. So you have to be very careful. A lot of people turn out to be what you say. So tell them who they are. Not just what you see. Tell them what you believe. When you have to know the word so unto you, when you minister to your children, you never say your children never go to amount to nothing. I tell my children, you can be all that God ever wants you to be. As a matter of fact, I retired from General Motors and I said to, to my son, you will be working at General Motors if you want to at 18 years old. My son Earl looked at me and said, Daddy, they're not even hiring. And I said, that's not the point. They are going to hire you. I looked at my son, Josh, and I told him, he, this happened to him. I said, you're going to be, when you graduate from school, you're going to have a job at General Motors if you want it. 
He said, but they're not hiring right now. I said, they're going to be hiring when you graduate. Both of my sons got a job at General Motors. As a matter of fact, one of my sons, Earl, he has 22 years already. Josh got laid off. I hope he don't mind me saying it. And then went with Chrysler. Now he got another 12 years there. So you don't have to worry about it. You, you say. My God. That's what you got to understand. Your words. Tell your children who they are. And what they're going to become. They can be anything they want to be. If you can get this word in you. When we started ministry, my children were all in the front row. Every one of them. And that's how they have been ever since we started. Because if this is good enough for me, I know the truth. And I know what having the word in you would do. It's the word in you that's going to bring forth the Christ in you. He's the seed. And all that he's going to become will happen inside of you. And once you can believe, you become fruitful. That Christ in you begin to bring forth fruit and you begin to see it the rest of your life. My wife and I sat in the front of a man who told us that this church will call you $3.5 million. And, my, and I, all I did was look at my wife and I looked at him. I said, okay, when we start building. God's my witness. It took God to help me not to cry in that man's face. Because I never heard a word, 3.5 million nowhere. But for those who are listening, we just dropped under 1.1. And we're going on. That's the better that I can see. You're going to have to be able to put that seat with that. I can't, I'm, on, I'm on television. I'm trying to help you, okay? But that's what we do. So that's where we are. This year, next year, we should drop under the one. Within this year finish and the next year finish, we will drop under one. It's God, not me. But to get God to do something, he's going to have to need somebody who will believe him. God not just writing you a Bible so you just got a Bible. He needs somebody going to believe what he said. And to believe what he said, you're going to have to take him at his word. Write down the word faithful. We're going to show you why God chose Paul. Why God chose Paul. Now, Paul was a murderer. Paul killed Christians. He gave us his testimony in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Timothy. Let me show you that. Uh, I was going to do Mark. I'm not going to mess that now. First Timothy. Chapter one. See, if you look at Paul's background. But he has to understand that God empowered Paul. So that's why when you set on a pastor. I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak in your life. I just don't go around saying, oh, the Lord said, I, you don't, I don't have to go say that. If I'm speaking as a pastor, it ought to be what the Lord said. Yeah. 
So I don't need all that abba, abba. Amen. All right. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we're going to start reading with verse number 12. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 12, I'm going to be giving you the apostle Paul. I'm going to show you why God chose Paul. And I told you to put down the word faithful. And I'm going to give you four words that's going to mean faithful. Number one, loyal. L-O-Y-A-L. L-O-Y-A-L, loyal. Number two, leave a little room because I'm going to give you a definition. And scripture probably go with it. Number two, steadfast. All of this is a definition of the word faithful. Number three, constant. We use it as consistent. And number four, reliable. See, if God is going to put you in a position of pastoring, nobody got to tell me, not even my wife, the day Sunday. You are not going to beat me here, not on Sunday. My clock goes off at 4 o'clock a.m. for the last 25 to 30 years for Sundays. I'm going to be here Saturday because I want to get myself to the Word. I'm going to be here Sunday morning before 6 o'clock, over 25 years. It doesn't matter how cold, nothing. My wife will know that clock hit 4, I'm gone. That's my witness right there. I'm going to be here because I have somebody who's depending on me. Not just you. The Lord, when the Lord wants something done, he got to find somebody who's going to be consistent. When God gives an assignment, that's a charge. And a lot of people want the pastor, but they don't have these four qualities. Number one, loyal. Paul said he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, Second, 1 Timothy, I'm sorry, thank you for correcting me. 1 Timothy 1, 12. That's what we're going to go to on the screen. 1 Timothy 1 and 12. I thank Christ Jesus. He starts off. Who has enabled me? So we can see who prepared him, who has enabled me. So you want to write down 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. He, I'm going to show you where your ability got to come from. He has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. See, when people want to be in the ministry, you got to read this right here. Who was before? See, that's not who he is now. That's who he was. He was a blasphemer. Otherwise, he killed Christians. And he caused them to, to, to turn on their own God. 
That's a blasphemy. Blasphemer. He calls people to blaspheme, to reject their own God. He was a persecutor. He was injurious. But he said, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly. What I did, I didn't know. I thought I was doing the right thing. But I obtained mercy. I did it ignorantly and I wasn't saved. That's an unbelief. I was in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceeding abundant. That's why he said in Romans 5, uh, 17 through 21, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I deserve what I've done and to be destroyed. But God's grace was sufficient for me. Only way you're going to get to where you got to go, you got to know your ability. Who's enabling you? And it's not based on your credentials. It's based on favor. God favored me, Paul says. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying. Word of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So he's letting them people know where I was. Whom I was chief. But, I, but if he saved me, he can save anybody. That's what he's saying through his confession. For this cause, I obtained mercy, verse 16. That in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering. All long-suffering. For a pattern. He used Paul for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And he's concluded now unto the king. Eternal, immortal, invisible. To the only wise God, be glory forever and ever. And the church said, amen. amen. Yeah, that's, that's was Paul. Now, this word faithful, he counted me faithful. I said he counted me. You got to understand, he put on my account. That's what it means, he counted me. It's, a, it's a, a term used by an accountant. He accounted me faithful. He put it on my account. I couldn't have served him if he didn't account me faithful. So here faithful means lawyer. Lawyer means giving or showing firm and constant support to a person or a church. Giving or showing firm, constant support to a person or to a church. That's lawyer. And a lot of you in this place know what that means. You are, you give, you show firm, constant support to this ministry. I could not do what I'm doing at this ministry if it had not been for you. So that's why my wife and I, we are so grateful. We are people in the word. Either I'm going in or she coming out. I got up this morning at 4 o'clock. I came out, she already in the, in the kitchen. 
she had she used to sleep with a Bible thing on all night. So that's that's the thing. Sometimes she go to sleep, baby, want to just take it out of here, lay it over there. So she don't she she went to, she go to sleep. Listen to the word. But we give ourselves to this ministry. This ministry cannot be what it's going to be unless the person here give themselves. The person here must be loyal. I got to be loyal to my wife. Got to be loyal to you. I got to think the best of you. I pray the best for you. I don't worry about what you've done, how long you've gone, how long you've been away. That's not my responsibility. My job is to love one another as he has loved me. And and, and he told told him one of the things, you cannot be respectful persons. Here in the church, everybody matters. Everybody counts. Because we are body. You might be the little finger, but I need you. You might be the little toe, but I can't stand without you. You're the one that balanced my body. So you have to know everything. Everybody counts. The next one, lawyer means true to one serve. You're true to the person you serve. And you're true to the person you're married to. That's lawyer. See, when a person is a lawyer, I'm loyal to my wife. My wife is loyal to me. I mean, we are true to the person that we serve. We are true to the person we are married to. That's loyalty. My wife do not have to worry about me messing around. She know I'm true to her. That's why in a church you have to look at the women as sisters. You have to look at the men as brothers. You have to look at the elder women as mothers. That's why as soon as you want to be a mother, if you're old enough, tell me I will make you a mother of this church. Because that's what we have to do in the church. We have to see people's mothers. We have to see the older men as fathers. We have to see that. I have to look at you as fathers in the church. Leaders. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And also call a lot as being a pastor. I call you daughters. Have no problem with that. Because that's how I'd have to be in the church. My wife and I play a responsibility in the church as a father in ministry. And when you're a father in ministry, you have to be able to understand that. That young girls is like your own children. You have to understand that. All right. Now, the next word is steadfast. You're not all over the place. You're stable. See, when a person is, when God's going to call a pastor, he has to be stable. He can't be hot and cold, in and out, up and down. You can't be here today and somewhere else tomorrow. I'm, I'm loyal to this body. A whole lot of folks be like, Pastor Kerm Kenyon. I said, no, I got, I got a church I got a pastor. I got a church I'm committed to. I'm loyal to. I don't want to discourage the people who come here and I'm not here. I've been there, done that, saw how that works. Me and my wife will go to church sometime. We go to church and say, somebody, somebody ain't here today. Oh, he's not here today. Who preaching? 
And then they told me who preached it. I'm going like, you want to go somewhere else today, babe? <laughs> and I never forget that day I stayed. I never forget the message that guy preached. And it was something I needed. Isn't that how God would do? You know, but anyway, stand fast. You're stable and you don't waver. See, when you're a pastor of the church, you can't waver. You got to know what you believe. You got to know how you believe it. You can't come in here this time and somebody said about water baptism. You go like, yeah, we, we should be baptized. And then you come to church on Sunday morning and say, that's not what we should be doing. You got to know what you believe. Water baptism is of the law. It doesn't take much. You know the word. This is what I do for 43 years. So I'm not telling you something just because somebody told me. I searched it out. Water baptism is of the law. That's why Paul said he did not do it. Let me show you that in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. I'm not, see, I, see, I study the word. So when I say something, I'm not telling you what I think. People tell you in a minute, well, you ought to get water baptized. Then I'm going to ask you a question. Why? What is it going to accomplish if I did or did not? Does it affect my salvation at all? No. So why am I doing it? I'm doing it because that's what religion teaches. See, you have religion that would teach you the law. And then you have Paul that teach you grace. I was saved by grace. The apostle Paul is my apostle in ministry. I go by what he says. Now I know you got a whole lot of folks that are apostles and I'm not. I'm sorry, I won't mess with that Paul said. First Corinthians chapter one. Let's look at verse number 17. Christ sent me not. Now this is what the apostle Paul says. Remember there was, a, there was an argument in the church. Differences in the church. Some say I was a Paul, I was a Paulist, otherwise they baptized me and they, all this kind of stuff. I'm apostolic, I'm Protestant, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist. I'm, you know, you got all this stuff going on. Paul said, Christ sent me not to baptize. The apostle to the Gentiles said, Christ sent him not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made non effect. When you, pre when you water baptize in the church, the cross loses his power. That's why people are no, never receive commitment to anything because they don't know what you believe. The cross, even the cross, as powerful it is, it is your salvation and it will lose power to save you if you teach water baptism. And people don't even, they hear what the word say, but they won't do it. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of non-effect. It's tradition. The Bible says your tradition made the word of God none effect. Amen? All right. It says, verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, isn't that something? The gospel of Christ, when you preach the gospel of Christ, you are preaching the power of God. And the Bible told you what the power of God is. He said, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring the, not the understanding of the prudent. So the word of God told you what Christ, when you preach Christ in verse number 24. I'm going to skip down to verse 24. Paul said in verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. But in verse 24, he said, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greek, Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. 
So if you don't preach Christ, you're not preaching the power of God. You got to understand something. In the church, you're operating against powers, principalities and powers. And you have to have the power of God to be able to break the power off those things. So you have to understand what that means, okay? That's why we preach Christ. Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul gave you the definition what the power of God is. Romans chapter 1. What I can't believe is how people can trust their salvation to people that don't even know what they're preaching. And why they're preaching what they're preaching. See, I, I, as 40, 43 years in ministry now, well, 30, 37 in ministry, but 43 as a minister. I was a three and a half years, I was an assistant pastor. So it, it's been over 40 years now, 40 years ministry. And I was a minister before that, you know, you little preacher. You know, they call you little preacher. <laughs> Praise God. My, my, the guy in Detroit, when I used to go to a seminary, he used to always call me a little preacher, uh, uh, Dean S.J. Williams. He said, what, uh, what you talking about back there, little preacher? That's how he used to talk. He had me do all his homework for him because he was blind. He couldn't hardly see, but he knew that book. And you know, he always said, well, let that little preacher read right there. He can read. You know, I thank God for people in my life that has helped me. And that's what Paul is doing to Timothy. He is a, he's instructing him. Let him know what to do and not to do. Because you get in ministry, you don't have nobody else to tell you what the Holy Spirit. You're the pastor of the church. When you don't know what to do, it's just like an airplane pilot. Who do you ask? Praise God. Romans chapter 1 and Paul said in verse uh, uh, 14, he says, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarian, both to the wise and the unwise. So much is in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are Rome also. I'm ready to preach the gospel. What, what is his gospel? Here it is. Verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ, Christ crucified, death, burial, and resurrection. For it is the power of God under salvation. You are not going to get saved if you preach in water baptism for salvation. You're going to have a whole lot of folk come to your church and get water baptized, but they're not going to get saved until you preach Christ. It's the power of God under salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. So when you preach Christ, God revealed his righteousness to you. Let me say it another way. When you preach Christ, God make you his very righteousness. See, God's righteousness, we become God righteous. And that's why the Old Testament believers said, none but the righteous shall see God. But you have to be made righteous. And God gives you, Romans 5, 17, the gift of righteousness. Nothing you do to earn it. All right. So Paul told Timothy, uh, keep yourself. This morning we talked about, you need to get that tape, lay hands on no man suddenly. The land on a hand were given even to receive the Holy Spirit in the Old Covenant. Old Covenant is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John also. The New Covenant did not start to the book of Romans. Lay hands on no man suddenly. Hebrew chapter 6, verse 1, 2, 3 told you that you had to leave these things behind because that was, that was the Old Covenant. And one of them was the land on their hands. They received the Holy Spirit by the land on their hands. Even Timothy received the Holy Spirit by the land on their hands. 
You receive the Holy Spirit now, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. I gave that to you this morning. I'm going to give you the scripture, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. After you have trusted in him and after you have believed in him. You heard, you believed, you trusted. Then God sealed you with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the Holy Spirit of promise does not come because somebody said, you want the Holy Ghost? Just receive the Holy Ghost. No, 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 no. That's why everybody's still looking at him like, and what? All right. Because that's not how you get the Holy Spirit. All right. Next thing I want to show you is constant. I gave you lawyer, steadfast, and constant, right? The word constant means remaining the same under and doing temptations. You're constant. When you're constant, you remain the same. See, when you are constantly the same way, consistent, constant, you're remaining the same under and doing temptations. See, you got to make up your mind what to do when you have temptation. You can't mess with temptation. You got one thing you do when you're tempted, and that's run. All this other stuff ain't nothing but. You get tempted, you get your hat, your keys, your glove, and you run for the door. <laughs> There's no other way. You, can, you can't rebuke it. You can't bind it. That's flesh. All right. And you can't holler, I can handle it. You got to do what the word said. If you go study Joseph, when the, when the, when the man, wife, Potiphar's wife came on Joseph, the Bible said he got him out. <laughs> I like that. And that's what you do. You get out. He left his clothes, but he got out. <laughs> Praise God. That's what you do. The next thing he said to him was, be an example to all believers. Let's go to 1 Timothy 11. The last one I told you was reliable. We're going to go to 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. He had to be reliable. All these words come on the faithful. The word reliable is able to be trusted. See, if you're not able to be trusted, you're not reliable. See, God's not going to commit to you the true riches. And he can't trust you with natural riches. They are natural riches, natural wealth that you want God to trust you with. If he can't trust you with natural wealth, he can't trust you with spiritual riches. And people do not realize you can be rich in faith, rich in wisdom. You go study the proverb, you understand why Solomon was so rich. He was rich in wisdom, rich in knowledge, rich in understanding. But God can't trust you in natural riches. You, do, you, do you know how much finances passed through my hands in 37 years? But it wasn't mine. People walk up to me and hand me an offering, hand me money, put that in the church Sunday. Hmm, that right. That's God's money. And one thing you have to learn about God's money, you don't touch his 
money. Now, we got, we got that in the Bible. When the church started in the book of Acts, two people died in church. That, God wanted it known, you don't touch my money. They were to sell that land and bring in the church what their offering was. And the husband and the wife got together and schemed. We called it a coup. And they took the Lord's money. So when they got to church that morning, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they walked up near the man of God, they fell dead in church. Boom. They said, uh, how much you set a land for? Oh, so much. Boom. And then later on, the wife came in. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hey. And Peter said, wait, 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 wait. You saw your land, right? How much you sell it for? Oh, wait, but so much. And while she was there, she said, the men that are going out that door got your husband. That woman died in church. See, didn't have to tell me no more. You know what I mean? You, you don't have to tell me nothing else. <laughs> if those two people died in church on the land they sold, what about me messing with your money? <laughs> no. So that's why God has to be able to trust you. See, not only, not only you give your offering, you don't mess with others. Can he trust you? And see, that, that's the kind of thing I have to learn in, in life. But I have to learn it. I, I think I learned that. I learned that from my mother and my father when I was growing up. Because I never forget this. I worked at Stucker Pecan Shop. And I washed people windshields off, fill their tank with gas. And a lot of times they pay you cash. And when they pay you cash, sometimes you be doing so many cars, you just stick in your pocket. You know, I, I, I'm going to give it to them when I go in to the counter. I turn all the money in the counter. And I got home and saw money in my straight pocket. Scared the daylights out of me. Because I'm like this. Oh my God. What if that man know, saw me put that money in my pocket? Oh my God. I was nervous all night. I couldn't wait to get to work the next day. God can't trust you. You can't serve God. If he can't trust you with Natural things. How are you going to trust you with spiritual things? So he gave four words for faithful. Loyal, steadfast, constant, and reliable. Can he trust you? Let's go on. Let's go to 1 Timothy 4.11. You have to be an example of the believer. You got to be the pattern, Pastor. 1 Timothy 4.11. These things command and teach, Timothy. Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believer. Otherwise, you got to be the example of everybody in the church. And then it says, first you got to be an example to them in word. You got to be an example to them the way you live, conversation. 
You can't tell nobody else you're not living the life yourself. You got to be an example in charity. Are you a cheerful giver yourself? You got to be a cheerful giver in spirit. You got to be a cheerful giver in faith. I mean, are you a person that believes God? You're teaching people to believe God. Do you believe God? Are you an imperialist, holiness? See, this is how a man of God, a woman of God, and it just can't be me. It has to go down in my family. See, when God wants to use Pastor Sister Crump, he not only wants to use them, he wants to use his children in that same ministry. So if you don't believe Pastor Crump is who he is, ask Sister Crump. Ask my daughter, Renee. Hey, Rena. Well, Rena. See, ask Sandra. See, every Sunday you come here, you're going to see Renee. You're not going to, I don't care what's going on here today, you're going to see Renee Hayes. You're going to see my son-in-law, my sons, my daughter, they're all going to be here. Because we all committed. They, they have seen with their own pants that they're going to do what they said. If your children can't Follow you, Timothy. How's the church going to follow you? If your wife won't submit herself to you, Timothy. If your wife don't trust you, Timothy. How can the church trust you? You got to be the example of the believer. Till I come, give attendance to steady. Exhortation and doctrine. Neglect not the gift which was given you by prophecy by the land on my hand. And, and that's, that's what, how he got it. But he says, meditate upon these things, son. Give yourself wholly to them that your prophecy may appear to all. Take heed to yourself. Because if you're in a ministry and you're a man of God and you expect people to come to your church and see you not prospering, how can you, how can they trust your ministry? That they'll follow you in what you're teaching, they'll prosper. Amen. If you don't prosper. The pastor should be first partaker. First partaker. So that's what you got to understand. You never look at a pastor and say, oh, he just wanted." No, 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 no. If he doesn't prosper then the church can't prosper. Or you're not going to believe in prospering. And you ought to prosper. And I'm not just talking about in riches and wealth. I'm talking about in wisdom and knowledge and understanding. I'm talking about you ought to be able to prosper in your health. Whatever weakness you had when you came here, I don't care if I couldn't read, you ought to be able to read now. 
You sit under this ministry, I'm a teacher. If you sit on this ministry, you're going to learn how to do things you couldn't do before you came here. Your faith going to increase, your love going to increase, and your grace going to increase. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. When you come here, your faith going to increase, your love going to increase, and God's grace in your life going to increase. You're going to increase in the finances in your house. You're going to increase in the finances in the church. You can't help it because it increases all over this ministry. This ministry is birthed by God himself. The Lord has taken care of this ministry when I didn't even know what I was doing. That's why I'm saying Paul, Paul was a faithful man. He had to be an example of the believer. And last of all, he was told to preach the word. Uh, that's going to be in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. This is going to be the last one. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. He didn't say preach about the word. He didn't say preach about the weather. He didn't say preach politics. He didn't say let people come in your church and campaign. See, a whole lot of people like, well, why you don't listen? Listen, preach the word. That's what he told me. When you come to church, you come to hear the word. People are going through things in life. They need a word from God. They need to know what God's doing and what God's saying. They need hope and you're not going to get it except the word. I'm not a newscaster. I'm not here to bring you the news, the weather, nothing like that. Every now and then I throw something out there, but hey... That's not my job. My job is to get to the word. When I come out here, I don't have no time for nothing else. I got Brother Gene Gooden sitting back there saying, preach the word, Reverend. <laughs> brother Gene, one of my biggest fans, my brother, one day he told me, he says, why don't you walk a little bit? You need to get from behind that pulpit sitting down. You need to move around. <laughs> So I'm walking, Brother Gene. Okay. <laughs> Preach the word. Second Timothy 4, verse 2. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season. When somebody's instant can get up and preach right now, instant, you always got a word in your heart. You always ready to preach. You don't need to go sing a hymn for your preach. Just get up and preach. <laughs> got to get, get ready. That's what it means by being instant. Be ready. You never know when you're going to get a phone call in this ministry that I want you to minister this morning. Well, the Lord ain't gave me nothing. Ain't gave you nothing that's long. You know how long I've been preaching? He hasn't given you nothing yet. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 3 says, verse 2 says, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. And then he told me the authority that's given to me as a pastor that I can reprove, I can rebuke, I can exhort with all long suffering, but I got to do it in doctrine. I have to do it with the word. See, I just can't come and tell you what to do. I have to tell you what the word says. You have to understand that. You'll lose a lot of memory when you, when you try to be a 
Former. You're not a former, not a supervisor. Amen. Preach the word. The word according to doc, to godliness. Let's go to Acts 16. I'm gonna be able, I'm gonna have to skip a lot of this. I only have but two minutes. Acts chapter 16. But I'm not done with Timothy, so I'll be able to pick up on some of this stuff when I cover Paul. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 through 4. This is when Paul, Paul came to the ministry. He said, Acts chapter 16, Paul says he came to Derby, Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple there was named Timotheus. Now, he was already a disciple when Paul met him. The son of a certain woman, which was Jewish, his mother was a Jew, believed, but his father was Greek. So he fitted, he fitted in so with Paul, what Paul had to do, because here it is, his mother was a Greek, and then his father was a his mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. And then the people who were at Ephesus were Jews and Greeks. So he was able to speak both languages, probably. You can't have too much wisdom when you're pastoring. You can't have too much knowledge. One of the things I pray for in my prayers daily is that I thank God. I thank God for his wisdom. I thank God for his knowledge. I thank God for his understanding. I thank God. I do this for you also. I thank God for, for everything he has given me. I thank God for who he is and who he is in my life. So I go through a list. I thank God for being my, 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 my salvation. I thank him for being my Lord, being my God, my father, my healer, my deliverer. You know, I go through every one of these. I'm thanking him for who he is in my life. I thank him for what he's entrusted me with. See, you don't, it's just like going sitting in a, a, a place and got a doctor coming out with, with, with knives and they getting ready to work on you. You got to understand, so do you trust them? You understand that? Uh, my wife told me what, how, what, she, what I went through when I had open heart surgery and she told me how, how it was and how she would come in there and my kids would come a lot of times they just say I, they just couldn't stay. Because all around me was nothing but equipment. And I'm laying on the table, not knowing what's going on. And the doctor summarized it. He said to me, he's a good patient. He said, I know he was a good man because when I had his, hand, his heart in my hand, now this is what he told us when we went back down, right? He said, because when I had his heart in my hand and I looked at him, I said, wait a minute, what did you just say? I had your heart in my hand. How you think I fixed it? When you come to a church, that's what you're doing. You're putting your heart in the hand of a man that can or cannot be trusted by God. That's led or not led by God. That's how I Take my job serious. For you to bring yourself here and your children and put them in the hands of a pastor, you have to know he can be trusted because he's loyal, he's reliable, he's constant, and he's steadfast. You got to know that to go to a ministry. Because if not, he gonna lust, he'll be like Saul. You go back and study Saul. I'm not talking about the Saul you have now. I'm talking about Old Testament Saul. 
when David, when David was king after Saul, and the, the man told him, he said, you want Saul? Let me tell you what, go, what he gonna do. He told them all the things that Saul was gonna do to them, their wives, their children, and on and on and on. But I'm like, I, I'm like the Apostle Paul. You're not going to get that from me. Your daughters are going to be treated like my daughters. Your son will be treated like my sons. Your wife will be treated like my sisters. I'm not going to lust after your wife. That's not my nature. I got a wife who's more than enough. I don't need to find out about nobody else. I'm trying to live up to who I am with her. I don't need to. I got, God let me live so I can continue to learn about my wife. My wife and I are still in love. My wife and I have been in love ever since I came here. Because we are an example to you. Your honeymoon don't end because she just got married. You got to learn how to love your wife. But you can't love your wife until you love yourself. And you love yourself, you'll take care of yourself. You'll take care of yourself. You'll make sure God is in you. And you'll do the thing that you're supposed to do if you're going to take care of yourself. When you're going to take care of yourself, you get older. You can't eat what you ate last 15 years ago. You can't put alcohol in you when you know to kill you. All this stuff, when you love yourself, you don't try to destroy yourself. You got to eat what you're supposed to eat. Drink what you're supposed to drink. Get your rest. I love myself. I want to make sure I'm around. I want to make sure I'm around to see my great, great, I already got great, great. I want to see the other great. But if you got to take care of yourself, if the Lord show you you need to lose weight, lose weight. Don't play with your health. Do you think I, nobody loves food more than me? And I work with the food bank for 25 years and I get all this food. I'm going like, man, I'm so glad God delivered me because I sit right in that kitchen and never move. But you can't do that. Everything I get my hands on is for you and my family. My time is already up. Hey, oh my God. First Corinthians chapter 15, Paul told us this is the gospel that Paul preached, Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. When you want to be saved, you got to put your confidence in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And God will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will teach you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll help you every day of your life. As a matter of fact, he'll keep you strong. He will build you up, build you up so and people think you're a young man. Put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in his finished work. Your death, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Hey, my time is already gone. I want us to stand up this morning and thank our television audience for watching the Door Faith Christian Church this morning. Let's give the Lord a great big praise. Thank God for his goodness. And the door of faith is open unto you.
Thank you for listening to the Door of Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydooroffaith.org. That's www.mydooroffaith.org. 